Welcome to the Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I'm joined again by Akash. Akash took a in-season bye week last week. Akash, where were you at? I was in Cancun, Mexico, which was beautiful and uh, was there for a wedding for close friends of ours. And so that was nice. It was awesome. But, uh, you know, just with the fall weddings, uh, <laughs> when it's on the weekend, you know, you're, you're bound to miss a game. And so, yeah, so I didn't get to actually watch it live uh, on Sunday. And, you know, it was a good matchup. I was uh, excited for the wedding, sad to be missing the game. But I, I didn't have, you know, any idea what was going on. No stream, no nothing. And then, you know, phone's blown up that Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and Brock Purdy's in. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? So I finally got to rewatch after and have an idea of what happened. And, yeah, man, excited to be on here with you. How You were at the game. How was that? I was. It was honestly the longest first quarter I've ever been a part of. I think the first quarter lasted, lasted like 55 minutes. So we had a touchdown out of the gate. First play from scrimmage. And of course, it's Trent Sherfield. Of course, it's a former 49er. And then San Francisco comes back and they have a field goal. And then that's when like all hell broke, broke loose. You have 49ers defense getting a stop, as they tend to do after giving up a score. And then 49ers drive. And unfortunately... That's when Jimmy kind of gets rolled up on it. Did you watch the play? Did you see how it unfolded, how Jimmy got hurt? I, I did see the play. It was unfortunate. And I, I think I saw the screenshot as well that someone had posted. And, you know, it's just – it's you feel for Jimmy Garoppolo, especially you felt like he was coming on a little bit. You felt like the team had some momentum, right? They won, what, four straight coming into that. And they just come into their own ever since Christian McCaffrey had, you know, fully integrated himself. And you just – you started to feel that – Super Bowl contender type vibes. And the only thing that could potentially prevent that was an injury to their starting quarterback. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So timetable, broken foot, six to eight weeks. We thought it was the entire season. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported on Tuesday that it's not the dreaded Liz Frank injury. So not going to have multiple broken bones. And now there's potential that Jimmy could return as soon as six, eight weeks, which would be around the wild card if you're really being optimistic, but realistically it'd more, it'd be closer to the divisional round or assuming that, you know, he needs to rehab and they would, they want to slow roll him the NFC championship game. So the 49ers have two IR spots designated to return. One of those is going to go to Jimmy if he can play. Assuming they put him, they haven't, they haven't put him on IR yet. Also true. That's a very good point. So the 49ers have yet to place Jimmy G on injured reserve. They don't have to, of course. Um, one of the spots could be for Javon Kinlaw, who Kyle Shannon hinted at is nearing a return. The other one could be Elijah Mitchell. Honestly, I wouldn't use Elijah Mitchell. Who knows if he gets hurt again, but if it comes down to a quarterback, right, obviously you're going to use him or if it comes down to a defensive tackle or running back, you're probably going to take the people who can help you the most. And running back in this scenario, in this hierarchy, you're not going to risk Jordan Mason, who had eight carries. I believe he had 51 yards, really good performance again from him. And then obviously they're, they're going to rely on Christian McCaffrey heavily in the playoffs, whether it's out of the backfield or um, handing him the ball. But either way, uh, they're just bombarded with news, as always, by the 49ers. We haven't even touched on the other quarterback news. Baker Mayfield asked for his release. It seemed shady at the time just because, like, did he really do this 
as he watched Jimmy Garoppolo get injured. Sure enough, I like it. The Rams claimed Baker. Thankfully, I was ooh, I I wasn't sure if that would have been a panic move, but it, I imagine the 49ers are making the right decision here by rolling with Brock Purdy. So before we get to that, let's talk about if Jimmy will return or not. So in the tweet, Adam Schefter, he had caveat after caveat after caveat. He pretty much said if and what if, and he just, every other line seemed like it was a stretch that Jimmy was going to return. And and we've seen conflicting reports where it comes off as like, you know, Jimmy's recovery time, like he might be able to play sooner than they expected. But again, like there are so many moving parts, so many different factors. Here's a tweet specifically. Doctors concluded today, the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo does not need foot surgery. It is not Liz Frank injury. If rehab goes smoothly, he could have a chance to return seven to eight weeks, making him a potential playoff contributor. So again, um, asterisk, yeah, just like, it depends how you're viewing this, how you're reading that, how you feel about the 49ers, how you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, um, how confident you are in him returning. What do you think? Do you think we see Jimmy in the playoffs? I do. And here's why. We went through something similar last season, right? When he hurt his thumb, then hurt his shoulder, and had that awful performance against the Titans. And then the news came out and obviously missed the following game against the Texans. That's when Trey Lance started. And I think a lot of people assumed that Trey Lance was just going to take over. They were just going to hand the reins to him at that point, And they, we were just going to see where the chips fell. And lo and behold, Jimmy Garoppolo with all sorts of painkillers and injections played through it. And we can debate to, you know, as, as the day goes of how he played in those games, right? The playoff games, um, obviously the week 18 game in LA had a fantastic second half, but playoff games weren't that great. But the one thing you do commend Garoppolo for is just his toughness, his ability to play hurt, his ability to play through these injuries and not really make a giant deal about it, right, publicly. And so if you're betting on someone to return from an injury sooner than later ahead of a recovery schedule, that would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Now we can talk about, like, say he does return come playoff time, like how effective is he going to be? Is there going to be a rust factor? Would you risk it? There are all these other variables we can talk about, but just given his injury history and his ability to return, I have a hard time seeing him if he has the opportunity to not come and play for this team in January. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So playoff experience matters, right? Brock Purdy just played one of, like I would say, a bottom tier defense, passing offense, or sorry, passing defense. And he's coming in cold, so they don't have any film on him. They don't know what to expect from Purdy. And the Dolphins are pretty simple scheme-wise, essentially. They just play a bunch of man coverage, and it played out that way. So uh, Purdy could kind of pick and choose where he wanted to go. The reads were defined, is what I would say. That's not going to be the case against the Dallas Cowboys. That's not going to be the case against whether it's Philly, Tampa Bay. Next week, we're going to find out real quick what Purdy brings to the table because his first career start comes against a Todd Bowles defense. So all that's to say is, I think it's a no-brainer if it gets down to it, the playoffs. Like, if Jimmy can play, he's going to play. Some people have hinted at, you know, where's Trey Lance in this whole saga? Why isn't he being rumored 
to return, I believe, back in September. His timetable was about January-ish, right? About February-ish. But again, this is where the IR return thing that you mentioned gets back into play. And so for those of you that, that don't know, you get eight players uh, back from injured reserve at any point during the season. That could be a player like Elijah Mitchell who comes back twice. Doesn't matter. You get eight for the whole season. And the Niners have used six of those. I think we can look up the list. I think the one that they'd like back probably is like Curtis Robinson, who really hasn't played, but it is what it is. It was earlier in the season, I think. But they've got two two players we think that they'll um, opt to, you know, return from injured reserve. That's Elijah Mitchell and Javon Kinlaw. That's why I think they probably won't place Jimmy Garoppolo on injured reserve. They probably will just keep him on the active roster, which effectively means you won't be able to use his spot for, you know, something else. You'd effectively be keeping three quarterbacks with Purdy, Johnson, and Garoppolo, which is why I think effectively Trey Lance's season is over, right? If we think they return Javon Kinlaw here in a week, two, whatever, I think they would probably opt to bring Mitchell back over a third quarterback at trade lands. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they're banged up. Tarverius Moore is going to miss a few weeks. Hassan Ridgeway is going to miss probably the season as well, more than likely. He has a pec strain, Tarverius Moore. I forgot what his injury was off the top, but that's a key special teamer. He's played, I believe, the fourth, fifth, or sixth. Like he's in the top six in snaps played, and he has the third most special teams tackle. So it might not seem like a lot, but that's the guy they're going to have to replace. So knowing that they're up against the IR spots, knowing that they're banged up, it's it's going to be pick and choose. So it makes sense why why Lance isn't going to be an option. All right, now we have to talk about Purdy. Is he going to be the guy that gets in there? Is he going to be a player that the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, can trust to get him there? We talked about what he did against Miami. So by the time you're listening to this, you should be able to read about and write about just a breakdown of Purdy. I thought he played well. Uh, he had to face four unblocked rushers. That is not easy. He did have to face a lot of different looks, a lot of different blitzes. I, I did say the man coverage like that made his reads easier, but the Dolphins, they kind of whooped the 49ers as far as going up front. So Christian Wilkins, uh, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, they have three good um, players up they front do. there. Uh, the 49ers did have their hands full. And I think some of the protections, some of the slides, like they were off and whether that was um, the quarterback's fault of getting the quarterback who wasn't prepared for this. And you also have to factor in Jake Brindle had uh, his fair share of low snaps as well. So that, that kind of threw them off, but all that is to say that I think Purdy did an admirable job. He, he fared well under pressure. He really used his legs. And I think that is an added an added element that Jimmy really didn't provide, I felt like there were a few plays where I thought Jimmy, frankly, would have gotten sacked, and that didn't happen from Purdy. So we'll see if he's able to take care of the ball. He did throw an interception. Didn't really bother me since it was on fourth and three, but overall, I thought he did well. What, what were your overall? What was your overall assessment of how Purdy played? Agreed. I, I had no idea going in, obviously, to the rewatch on, like, Monday. And you look at the box score, the box score looked pretty good, and Generally, just reading people's comments, people were pretty impressed. And so I was like, okay, let's let's see what happened. And it's exactly that. And I think, you know, the third and 10 play to George Kittle, where, like you mentioned, obviously the free rusher coming in your face um, and hitting George Kittle there on that play in that spot in the game was, as Kyle Shanahan mentioned to Peter King after the game, just just gave him that much more confidence. 
in Purdy's ability to operate. And there were a couple other plays. There was one where there was, there was like a free rusher up the middle. He spins out to his left. I think he hits McCaffrey on the move that I thought was great. Um, then there was a throw to Juwan Jennings over the middle where he moves the linebacker um, with his eyes. I thought that was a great throw. I just thought there were some thing. There were some promising things to take away. And that isn't to say, you know, with some film on him, it was in preparation against a better defense, like you mentioned. I think the Dolphins were in the bottom half uh, DVOA-wise. We'll see, you know, how Brock Purdy holds up. We'll see in different scenarios, right? He's going to go up against the Bucks this week. He's, he's going to be on the road short week in Seattle, which is always a challenge. So there's going to be different challenges for Purdy ahead, but you have to imagine he's got a, a good complement of weapons around him. Kashin Han is going to manage him as best as possible. And you're playing with a defense that's playing as, you know, like the best defense in the NFL right now. It's set up pretty well. And again, they're ahead of the eight ball in terms of record schedule wise. They're eight and four game ahead of Seattle. They hold the tiebreaker because they beat them earlier in the season. So, you know, the, it, the schedule sets up nicely and just because of all the things I mentioned, it just gives you a little bit more confidence that Purdy and Shanahan and the rest of this group can just bridge the gap until a potential Garoppolo return. Yeah, so you mentioned the defense, and that's going to be the key here, right? That was going to be the key no matter what, no matter who was under center. So the 49ers are second in EPA per play defensively this season. They're first in defensive success rate. They He obviously has arguably the strongest or arguably the, the deepest group of weapons like we're in the two minute drill once again Juwan Jennings did his thing where he made plays after the catch move the ball and then they have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who can use on the screen he took uh you have Brandon Ayuk you have Debo Samuel uh, you have Kittle who they're going to use more I imagine just because a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend so a team like Tampa Bay there we saw Tampa Bay on Monday night that's not a team that's going to score a lot of points so all Brock Purdy needs to do in that sense is the same thing Jimmy Garoppolo would have needed to do. Take care of the football. Not turn the it next over. week against Seattle, Geno Smith, that offense, they're probably going to score points. So in that sense, it's Seattle's defense, one of the most fraudulent defenses I feel like in the NFL. So it, the schedule kind of works into Purdy's favor where if you need to take care of the ball, there's going to be a time where – you might have to score 20, 24, 27 points, but that defense will allow you to do so. There might be a time where you're just going to have to play game manager, quote unquote, the dreaded game manager role that nobody likes to call. But I mean, that's been Kyle Shanahan's offense all season. So if he just, if he goes to the right spots with the football, which he did by and large against Miami, they will be fine. He will have to work on some of his accuracy. So he was behind some of the receivers at times. He, he airmailed Brandon Ayuk on a, a couple routes. Uh, there was times where I just felt like he, he, he just flat out missed Ayuk, but still that's being nitpicky. And I feel Mr. like Croft on that one, right. Where he's coming on the over. Yeah. Like overall, like there's going to have to be a time where he is going to have to make a play. Will he be able to make that play is the question. I do not know, but thankfully, like we don't have to answer that question right away. Um, the more that he plays, the more he's going to get comfortable. I think the overwhelming theme should be that for a guy who was picked last in the draft, he came in, he competed, he kept the 49ers offense on track. He made plays with his legs and he let his playmakers do the heavy lifting. That's what you want. He looked comfortable. He looked poised. So his 
he certainly has faults. There was a reason he lasted to the seventh round, but I think his supporting cast will be able to hide some of his deficiencies is what I would say. Uh, do you, do you want to add anything to that? I just think the last thing, bigger picture on the 49ers season, sitting at eight and four in the three spot uh, game ahead of Seattle, obviously play them in a couple weeks. The next two weeks are going to define their season. I think if they're able to come away from this stretch two and oh, and like you mentioned, right. I think next week has more of a saints 49ers type vibe, right. Where I think, Maybe the defense is going to be tougher to score on, but the 49ers defense should be able to hold Tampa's offense to something in the low teens. Um, and you'd hope to win that game. And then if you're able to beat Seattle, go, you know, two and zero against them, hopefully go up two games on them, which effectively becomes a three game, which if, or a two game lead. Sorry. Um, no, because it would be a three-game lead because even a tie, you'd hold the tiebreaker, so they would need to have an extra win. Effectively, you could lock up the division with just another win. So these two, these next two weeks are huge. I think Seattle still has the Jets. We'll see. They still have the Chiefs um, and obviously the Niners on their schedule. So I think if the 49ers can just somehow find a way to muster a couple of wins here, they'll lock themselves into a divisional win, which means a home playoff game at least the number three seed, right? Because I don't, I don't know if Tampa is going to be able to catch them with the way their season's going. So I just think it comes down to these next two weeks. And, yeah, you just uh, – everything's everything's on the line here. And we'll see if Purdy can deliver. Yeah, and that's what it's going to come down to. Like It's like Jimmy. They're going to make the quarterback on the 49ers throw the ball. Will he be able to make the plays necessary? Probably on third down. Probably in a big moment when needed. If he can, the 49ers will win. The defense is not going to be perfect every down. Eventually, they are going to allow points. They are close to being perfect. They are not quite there, though. But again, it when you're talking about the defense, you're getting nitpicky. So we're going to take a quick break and actually talk to somebody who is very, very familiar with defense. So I sat down with former 49ers linebacker, uh, future Hall of Famer to be, 49ers Hall of Famer, that's for sure. Patrick Willis, we sat down for 38 minutes. He was great. Uh, we talked about a little bit of everything from Jim Harbaugh, Justin Smith, Fred Warner. He is a big, big fan of Eric Armstead, so I will let you guys listen to that right after this break. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by a player that everybody loves in 49er territory, Patrick Willis. Pat, man. I'm going to call you Pat like I've known you for years and years, but <laughs> what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, blessed. Blessed. I uh, can't complain. So I'm here to talk to you about Universe 52, and not many people know about that, so that's on you. Tell us what it is. What do people need to know about Universe 52? Yeah, yeah. Well, Universe 52 is a, um, it's an NFT project, but it's a platform that I'm able to get into some amazing digital art. Um, the art is created by some amazing uh, Rob Pryor Studios who um, done some of the Marvel comics in the past. And so just getting a part of the digital world and it's a platform that, you know, hopefully that um, me and uh, the Universe 52 community can uh, have a good time. They can get some digital art. So we also working on some uh, live time events. We've already had one already. So yeah, just a, just a digital platform that I'm hoping to, you know, get going. 
digital's for sure where it's at moving forward. How'd you get into that? Are you are you big in the art game or or what? Yeah, yeah, I've always been a fan of art and always been a fan of uh, technology and this space right here is a new space and it's all about growing and finding ways to uh, continue to connect with the fans and this is one way that I'm, I'm able to do that and I know the NFT world has, you know, has a has some negative connotations or whatnot, but we really working to make sure that this this project is um is all of the above. Yeah, I imagine with your your name attached, there's not going to be much of a negative comment, connotation. <laughs> um, all right, I have a billion questions for you, and I'm probably going to start somewhere where you would have never expected. What can you tell me about Josh Johnson? Because he signed with the 49ers on a one year deal. It feels like he's played with the Niners since I was born, but do you have any thoughts or can you share any stories about Josh Johnson? Oh man, Josh Johnson, he's a, he's a vet in the game. Uh, he's been around for, for a while and, you know, he's, he's a guy that I believe a couple of times, I think he was a teammate of mine a couple of times and just a phenomenal teammate, a guy that comes to practice and practice as if he's, um, as if he's going to be the starter. So uh, I, I heard the Niners are bringing him in, and uh, I think that'd be very big, especially you know having someone such as the young quarterback Purdy at um, at quarterback. Yeah, they just signed him to a one-year deal. So Kyle Shanahan actually talked about that a little bit on Monday, where he just said we like the guy, we like the person, and we're buying the guy not so much or not as much as the player. Was Jim Harbaugh like that, where he would look at the person, and if you fit in the locker room, like that's what really matters in this game. Um, you know, uh, the, the Jim, you know, I, I don't like to compare the coaches a lot of times, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about, it's, it is about production, but there's also those guys who are great, great role players and uh, a guy like Josh Johnson, who's a vet, um, you know, like, like I said, having Purdy, who's a rookie, uh, I think it would be uh, very, very beneficial for him. Um, speaking of comparing, I know you guys are probably like nonstop. It's Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. It's Navarro Bowman. It's Patrick Willis. Who's better? Uh, how do they stack up against each other? Does it get annoying to hear these nonstop comparisons? You know, it's it's always going to be um, part of the game. Uh, you know, my hat goes off to what Navarro and I was able to do in the time that we had together. And but I, and I'm also, you know, a firm believer that, you know, it's about the now. And right now, uh, Fred and Dre and Alzir, you know, they they playing really good football. I mean, especially Fred and, and, and Dre. I mean, I'm watching and I'm like, wow, I'm excited to to watch them play. So um, you know, kudos to those guys and may they continue to, you know, stack it up. The physicality that we see at the second level looks a lot like 2012. Like the way that they bring it, the way that they come downhill. It it is fun to watch. And it it when I watch this team. I'm not sure other offenses can prepare for that type of physicality until it's too late. Like, was that sort of the thing with you guys too? Like, did you notice like other teams, like when you guys brought it, like they weren't ready for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a level of intensity. I mean, every Sunday is a, it's any given Sunday and I'm a firm believer that the defense, you know, brings the attitude and every week, uh, regardless of what the offense does, whoever, the, regardless of who the, Offense has up um, as a defender, you know, I feel like it's our job to go out and play great defense uh, regardless. And right now, those guys are playing uh, really good defense uh, across the board. Uh, very, very excited to see uh, Armstead get back. And I really think, um, you know, and I've been saying this for a while, that 
you know, if they can get their if they can get their interior guys, you know, healthy, um, I think Ken Law is another one. If they can get him back at the right time, man, they have a they, they now they have a presence across the front, um, uh, across the board at D tackle and at DN and at the linebacker position. And it's unfortunate for the corners. Um, you know, they've had some injuries in the secondary. Uh, that's been unfortunate. But man, if you got a, a great up front um, team or not, that really helps the secondary a whole lot. You just named like all good players at every position in the front seven. That's, that's an embarrassment <laughs> of riches that they have. And it was like that for you guys too. Like there are good players everywhere. And when it, what Eric was talking about on Sunday, he said, we know that if we just play discipline, like if we play sound, they're not going to be able to move the ball against us. And we saw the first play where the Dolphins were able to score. Like there was a bust in coverage, but outside of pretty much two plays, they gave up next to nothing. Do you see that when you watch 49ers? Just like if they execute, they're good. Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, you never want to have, you never want those big plays, especially, you know, you're talking about being that kind of defense, but sometimes, you know, being, being uh, elite defense like that, you're going to have a play here and there, but that's what brings you back down to earth. That's what humbles you and, They've done a great job of settling in and playing uh, good defense um, throughout the rest of the game. Like I said, I mean, I felt like, you know, I think they might have gave up a score, which was something they had not done in a while. But when you look at that stats across the board, you know, they are they they setting it all ones. And I'm not sure if we ever had a time to do that. But most most importantly, as good as they're playing right now, the most important thing is to to get the, the to win it all. And but. You can only do that by taking care of the now. And like I said, they're they doing really well. And, you know, unfortunate for the injuries that they have had. But, man, they're doing a great job of overcoming. And they can do if they can overcome this one at the quarterback position, uh, I mean, they they might have something. It is crazy just to, the fact that they're the three seed in the NFC right now. They're the number one seed in the NFC West. But – Emmanuel Mosley hasn't played in a long, long time. Eric Armstead missed two months. Javon Kinlaw essentially hasn't played for the majority of the season. Like there are injuries, injuries, injuries. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and still here we are talking about one of the better teams in the NFC. I want to talk about a player returning from injuries. So does that, do you guys feel that? Does that give you like a jolt in the locker room knowing that let's say, you know, Javon Kinlaw is practicing and he's rehabbing and he's, he's this close to returning? Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime, you know, you have guys who could uh, make a difference you know, on your on your team that's not on the field, you know, you can't wait to get them back. And like I said, I mean, they they able to get those guys back that um, have went through some injuries. I know they have some that have some brutal injuries, but if they can get some of those guys back and get them healthy at the right time, it's really going to help the, the defense. And as of right now, you know, we all know that the quarterback position is, is a very important uh, position. And so they're going to need, all they help on offense, defense, and special teams to really uh, help out that um, about that position. And I mean, we can keep it quarterback. So, how does losing a player like Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Trey Lance, but Jimmy Garoppolo has played for the majority of the season, how does that affect like a significant injury affect the locker room? Because after the game, they just won and beat a first team, a first place team in the NFL. But at the same time, you can tell you can tell they're kind of down in the dumps. Like it just kind of hit them emotionally that Jimmy was out. So how do you kind of weather losing a player and knowing, hey, I still got to go out and execute. I still got to go out and play a game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's unfortunate. Like I said, especially somebody such as Jimmy and and what he brings to the to the locker room. But if you play the game long enough, you understand that injuries are part of the game. And 
you know, when I played, we had this thing where we would always say, you know, next man up. You never want to disregard the, the guy who went down um, and you want him to come back. And you want that person to come back as soon as possible. Uh, however, you know, there's so much go on. And so, you know, that's where they are now. And it looks like, you know, from um, the after after the game, uh, seeing some of the pictures that, you know, surfaced across the board, uh, across the social world, it looked like they were really excited for him. And they were really happy for him. And, uh, and that's what you want. I mean, anytime, you know, you have your team behind you in, in the position, in the position that um, – uh, position that you play, you know, it's really big. And like I said, I mean, it looks like, you know, the guys were, you know, going up, giving them a high five as if, like, they, they root on him and, and they believe on him. And and at the end of the day, he came in and he and he made them a believer. And that's the most important thing. Guys can like you all day long, but it's all about um, getting out there and executing and, and really making it hard for them not to not want to root for you. But when they already like you and then you go out there and you do – well, I mean that's uh, that's an amazing feeling. So, you know, may may keep it up. Yeah, it's one thing to ball out in practice, right? And it's another thing to go out and do and play the way he did in a game. So he's third stringer, used to playing against a good defense in practice, but that's scout team. He didn't pra- get any reps with the starters. Brock Purdy comes out and throws a touchdown, and I guess more importantly, just keeps the offense on schedule. And I think one of the coolest things about the 49ers specifically is that everybody's rooting for everybody. Like. When the receivers make a play, you see everybody celebrating with each other. So when you watch the game, are you watching as a fan? Or are you critiquing like, Fred, you should have filled this gap. Uh, you guys should have um, wrapped up the tackle here. Like, how, how do you watch the game now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just enjoy the game now. You know, I'm not, I mean, there's times where I see certain things here and there that, you know, I, I'll, I'll ask myself, like, man, why did they not make this check? But for the most part, you know, I just watch it um, as a fan now, you know, just being entertained, but you know, that that's still the eye that, that I have for it. But I mean those guys, like I said, when I mean they play such good football that it's hard to even look at, you know, all the things that they may not be doing, you know, right on point, which I know when you watch film, you like, you know, you can be a worse, you know, critic, but you know, across the board right now and they just playing lights out and it's entertaining to to see. Yeah, when you watch the defense, it feels like like if I were to ask you identify the biggest weakness on the defense. Like you get to nitpicking, right? Because maybe they don't for, force a turnover for two games, but they're not missing mm-hmm. tackles. They're not giving up plays. They're not allowing points on the board. They didn't allow um, a second half point for nine quarters prior to this last game. So like, what would your answer be if I were to say, what is the biggest weakness on this defense? Man, I mean, at the moment, you know, if you're looking at it on paper, considering that, you know, where they have had the injuries, you would say, uh, the secondary, but like you said, um, right now they've been able to um, not not really show as if they've you know dropped off at all. Even having the, the injury that they have, man. If I'm if I'm looking at it, I w- I would say yeah, I would have to say I would have to say the secondary. I mean, then I mean, considering that they did get Armstead um, back in the middle of if if he didn't come back, I was going to say maybe if I was another team, I would say you know what. We're going to find out if their if their nose or if their front interior line can really hold up against the run. But nowadays it's it's a real you know I call it like pass happy type of offense. I, I don't want to say that. Oh, you, you can know, call it what it is. You can call you know, it what he, it is. He, you know he he be he be running the, he be running the ball uh, as well. But a lot of it just set up like you know it's setting up you know to, to the play action and to get the pass game going. So. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it, at the moment, I would say the secondary to maybe, maybe um, the other edge away from Bosa. You know, I, again, I think that's what really, really, I mean, and it showed too. I mean, because he he showed out this. I mean, he he's been playing. Bosa's been playing well all year long. I mean, they were talking about him being in the defensive player of the year talks, but having Armstead come back, yes, I mean, having Armstead come back on Sunday. And to play that middle, to play, you know, the three, to play that interior, you have to respect, one, his size. You have to respect that, you know, he's going to make plays. And so, you know, that now leaves Bosa, you know, a little bit more. Instead of him just sliding the line and saying, all right, we're going to take care of this over here. You got to – you put you put Armstead away from him. And, again, like I said, you now you're able to get those matchups that you're wanting, unlike before, where if those guys are not in there, you know, you just slide the line and you're going to make Bosa have a long – that he's going to still make some plays, but it's going to be a long day for him. So, Well, that's kind of what happened. I don't know if you remember the Jimmy Ward interception. So they slid their lot, their protection to the left. What you do is you leave Eric Armstead one-on-one with your right guard. You are not going mm-hmm. to win that matchup. He pushes the pocket, gets his hand up, deflects the pass, and Ward is able to get an interception. So it's kind of a catch-22 in that regard. I'm, I'm glad you're hyping up Armstead because he does not get the love that he deserves, whether it's against a run, which you're never going to make the flashy plays, right? He has to eat double teams. But when he gets one-on-ones as a pass rusher, he's just incredible. I mean, he's been versatile pretty much all of his career. And I think the best move for him was moving him inside permanently because he's just like a walking mismatch inside. I mean, I, he is. I mean, I, and you, I mean, you are right about that, Kyle. I feel like he does not get a whole lot of, um, credit for what he's doing. I mean, for what he's able to, you know, bring to the defensive line. I mean, I, I will say, man, I, I believe in the defensive line. And when I say I believe in the defensive line, you know, as much as I want to take credit for being a linebacker that I was, um, you know, I was grateful to have a defensive front and Justin, Ray, um, Isaac, Abrio. I mean, because we – we work well together and those guys were very unselfish guys. And one, and we also talked about it oftentimes, man, when you get one-on-one, you have to win them. And so we prided ourselves on when you get the one-on-one, you're going to win. Even when you get double team, you're still going to win. Right. So, um, so yeah, my head goes off to the defensive front and just what they do in, in, in the run game and the pass game. You talked about Bosa and he's been dominant. He just had three sacks. He leads the NFL in sacks now. You played with one of the best pass rushers of the decade, arguably, in Alden Smith. How how do those two compare? How are they different? And who do you give the edge to? Um, we played a three four, and them guys are playing a four three. Um, though you know Alden did have did put his hand in in the dirt at times. Um, I mean they're very unique in you know how they pass rush. Uh, very fluent and I mean they're very both natural it's almost like not that they don't work but it's almost like they don't don't like they trying I don't want to say don't like they're not trying but it, you know what I said some guys they just yeah. make it look almost effortless and that's how I used to look at Alden I used to just be like man Alden can you teach me how to do that and he would just be like hey you just gotta flow like this I'm like and I would try to technically do it and he's like no you don't feel that and I'm like feel what man what are you talking about? <laughs> and so you know, so, I mean, when you're thinking about it like that, I mean, both those guys, I mean, I couldn't imagine both of them being on the same team at the same time. I mean, having somebody such as Bosa, who I feel who may be a little bit better, you know, on the run game, could be a little bit more stouter when it comes to the, the run game, perhaps. Um, but, I mean, both of them are very unique uh, caliber of players. And, um, 
and Bosa, like I said, you know, in the now, I mean, he's uh, playing some very good football. Yeah, his his hand usage is insane. And you talk about making it look effortless, and I, I imagine Alden's a lot of the same way where they have so um, minimal wasted movement that they're just like so refined with their hands. And obviously Alden's first step mm-hmm. is insane. I, I feel like Bosa, the ground that he's able to cover in his first three steps, you pair that with his hand usage, his technique, and that's why I win so much. It's it's honestly not fair in a lot of ways. And you kind of explain that because I, I see Bosa working off to the side with other guys trying to get, you know, tips and try to figure out how the hell are you doing this and winning as often as you do. But yeah, I, w- I would love mm-hmm. to uh, just to, just to see Alden in one-on-ones because I, I've had a chance to see Bosa go one-on-one against Trent Williams. And I could watch that for like an hour every day. Did you get yeah, a chance yeah. to see Alden in one-on-ones at all? Yeah, Alden was, man, it was almost like it was too unfair. It was almost like when Alden got out there, we was almost like, yep, he going to win. Yep, he going to win. It was just it just how, how he made it looking very suddenly. Like, did he not not win? And like you say, just seeing both of them, I mean, that's what it is. Those guys got that first step. And then not only they got the first step, but they got, they got the motion with it as well. Like, just, man, it's almost like it's like beautiful art watching them just move um as if like yeah they play in the right position (laughs) honestly art is a great way to put it because that's what it looks like it's poetry in motion when and yeah let's let's dial back to your part so some of us has always wondered would you have retired if harbaugh and the niners relationship didn't fall apart uh that's a great question kyle um you know yeah uh, i i have been honest the time was was then and i have felt it and it was one of those things where, as a rookie, I remember telling myself, you know, when the time comes and I no longer, you know, can give the team, the organization, um, myself, everything that I have, then I didn't want to be that guy that just moping around or, you know, getting, you know, pushed around or get sent off here and there just because, you know, I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll have to figure out the next phase of life. And, I mean, I remember, you know, as a rookie, the season, the days feeling long, the season feeling long. But then in the grand scheme of things, I had a coach that would always say my rookie year, uh, my defensive coordinator, uh, Minuski, he would say, he said, all right, y'all better take advantage of the days or whatnot. You know, you better, you know, get it done now, you know, because we wasn't winning a whole lot. He said, because it would be over just like that. You know, he was like, he would call the guy, he will call the old head. Like, how fast does it go? And he say, "Go like this," and and you know he just, he would go around the room asking old heads, and I'm sitting there like, "Man, this day has felt like forever." Like, what you mean? But then when that day came, I never forget being like, "No, nah, not right, not I mean right now, not right now, not you know." But given you know that just that feeling I had in my gut, my heart, and my mind, you know, they just wasn't aligned anymore, and. Without that, I don't, I'm not the person that I know I could – I'm not the person, the athlete that I know I could be. And, again, that's when I told myself it was time. And it just – how everything kind of transpired, you know, it was it was just kind of – You, you know, just like know, Steve right? Jobs who said – Yeah, yeah, it was Steve Jobs who said, uh, those who can connect the dots, connect their dots, can see the future. And I remember just seeing how my dots were connected and then seeing what was going on in the organization. And I was like – yeah, and then just understanding, too, that Navarro, I mean, he was the next protege um, in line, I felt like, you know, to to take that defense and the team, um, you know, on to wherever, you know, it was to, to go. But for me, 
you know, I would say that, uh, the sun was setting and it was rising on, on another. So it's a great answer, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, some players get into coaching after they hang up the cleats. Other players just get completely off the grid. What's one thing that you've done since retiring that's given you the closest thing to an adrenaline rush, like when you play? You know, that's a great question, Kyle. That's a great question. I, honestly, I don't know if there really is a thing that um, can give you the same kind of, you know, thrill. I know we all kind of maybe go through that phase of, you know, searching for it or seeing where it can – or trying to redirect that energy. But I think it's like in anything else, you just have to – you know, keep on marching and, and find find your rhythm. Uh, you know, again, as it was, you know, as a kid for me, I was, you know, I was just into sports. I really enjoyed playing sports. And I was like, and I want to be a professional athlete. It wasn't just one that I really enjoyed. But over time, this one kind of, you know, kind of made the most sense and led the the way for me. So, you know, I, I would I would say there's, there's nothing really out there like it. But in redirecting the energy, you know, I've, you know, just, getting into the whole entrepreneurial world, doing some philanthropy, some humanitarian things uh, here and there. You know, it's kind of been um, uh, fulfilling in, in, in the sense um, without trying to without trying to fill that football void. Um, I can say that now. If you'd asked me that, you know, some years ago, I probably wouldn't have ever just come right out and, you know, be able to <laughs> say that to you now. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a different a different type of uh, – um, you know, hunger out there. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's nothing, nothing like it, man. <laughs> I mean, what what does compare to running into somebody full speed for sixty plays a game, right? Knowing that you have to win. <laughs> there's nothing like yeah, it. Yeah. Especially when it comes to, I mean, because it's a, it's a, it's the one thing, it's the one sport when I now when I look back on it from mental and physical capacity that you have to be able to you know have it all, like the mental game to be able to know your opponent, and then the physical game to be able to you know, win the battles. And when I look out into the real world, you know, there's, there's many that has the, maybe has the physical capacity and or maybe has the mental, but don't have the other. And I feel like, you know, being an athlete, we were able to have both. And that makes you really uh, unique. So uh, just grateful, man. Grateful for the journey and, and where I, and I'm grateful for the journey then and, and, and now. Sounds like yeah. the experience has really helped you, like, and that that kind of got you into the philanthropy too. Um, being a people person, that's where it's at, man. Like, we need good people in this world. And you sound like uh, <laughs> you are one of those people. Man, I wish I wish I could say it was uh, it was absolutely uh, easy, but it's it's like you don't feel, you know, you there's great competition out there, and if you want to rise to the top, you know, you have to continue to work and find find your niche and 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 be really well at that. So. Um, yeah, just just doing that one step at a time. What's one thing that the game taught you? You're talking about some of the things you're doing post career with the philanthropy work, and obviously we're talking about Universe Fifty Two. What do you feel like you can take away from the game that you can maybe pass along to others, or that that really helped you to be who you are today? I would say it just it just just like heart, um, you know, humility, um, you know, will. I mean, it, it's it's a it's an interesting game. It's it's a great way to like you know, games. So some some of the um descriptions, you know, something like hey, they wouldn't get it, but then, you know, yeah, the 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 will, I mean, the will to not be denied, the will to, to win, the will to man, uh, uh 
be vulnerable, like in front of <laughs> you know millions. Uh, um, Have to be. I mean, it, it's just yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's it's the one game that well, sports is the one the one avenue that I feel like encompasses um, encompasses all. And so, yeah, I man. I mean, a big a lot a lot of what I learned in sports was a lot of what I kind of had dealt with growing up. I don't say there was kind of what you deal with, like, you know, growing up. And so definitely today, it was kind of like, oh, man, like, it's the same way that I would, you know, go hard for my my brother, go hard for my sister. Like, you know, I'm, I'll go like this for my for my teammates. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no, 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 uh, no game like, uh, like, there's no game like the game of football. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about it, man. And I'm glad you said that because it is, it's, it, it does teach you that, you know, there are 11 players on the field and if you don't do your job, it's one thing, but if you try to do somebody else's job, like the play messes up too. So there, there are a number of different ways. And that kind of ties us back into this year's 49ers team. They're disciplined. Like they don't make mistakes. When you watch them, what's, what do you appreciate the most about this year's version of the 49ers? You know, as I was just thinking about it um, and it kind of leads into that, Man, I, I I once had a coach, um, it was Coach Jim Levitt, and he said something one time, you know, he was a coach coming from college, and I was like, man, college coaches come in, they're going to come in with that college mentality, try to kill you type of mentality, you know, and and he said, um, and one thing he said right at the door, he was like, listen, I don't know, he said, I'm not going to know everything there is to know. What I don't know, he said, I'll go, I'll go ask. He said, all I ask is that we leave our egos at the door and we come in here you know, hungry and want to learn and to get better. And I remember saying, like, wow, I like this coach. He's going to be all right because that's the one thing that I saw in a lot of, you know, just throughout teams whatnot, you know, the egos, you know, like, you know, I should be getting more of this. How come, I'm, you know, just all those things opposed to just being like, you know, I'm just going to keep all in and when it's my time to be hot, you know, I'm going to be hot. And, but in the meantime, I'm going to continue to do, you know, what I'm supposed to do to, you know, help someone else and so with that being said um i feel like watching uh watching these niners man they they it seems like they got a guys they feel like, it seems like they have guys on their team who are very man credible in the sense of credential having the credentials of all pro uh pro bowls and yet they just want to go out there and win and from the outside looking in um i know that feeling uh, well, from outside looking in, I mean, it's amazing to see that it doesn't look like they have that kind of animosity going on amongst them that you see on some other teams and stuff sometimes. I mean, we, I don't want to say that because you're going to have moments or whatnot, but it looks like they're doing a great job of being able to handle the success that they're having. And being someone who's been on the inside of that, um, that's a great um, recipe for a for team success. And um, yeah, and they like they're doing a great job in the sense of Harbaugh would say, uh, rising tides lifts all ships, loose lips sink them. And man, he's absolutely right about that. So, yeah, kudos to those guys and what they are able to do with the success that they are having, um, in the sense of how they um, seem like they are, you know, about one another. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, think about it. You got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, like all of these dudes. Why would you blame them if they didn't get 10 receptions or 10 touches, right? Because they, they're used to being the man everywhere they've been, but you don't see them complaining, right? You see them celebrating everything. So that, 
I feel like they should get credit for that. It's not easy. Um, do you remember things being as crazy as they are now with the Niners? Like every, just today, Jimmy is probably going to come back for the playoffs. The 49ers were flirting with the idea of Baker Mayfield. They didn't get him Baker Mayfield. Now we're thinking about maybe where's Trey Lance? Like there's, we're getting bombarded with news nonstop. Was it like this uh, when you were playing? Uh, I mean, the social media world was just more so Twitter in uh, that sense. I mean, Instagram had just came out, but I was kind of like, you know, right at the, the the tail end of the beginning of the social media world. Like, I still I still had it a little bit. Still, it was still just not happening, but it wasn't as crazy as after. I remember a few years after I got out, I was like, wow, man, this thing here is really, you know, taking things to a whole nother a uh, whole nother level. So, um, so you know, I don't think the only time we would ever really see a whole lot was maybe on Twitter or on ESPN or now on your gadget. You know, that's where your eyes are stuck to most of the time. So it seems like it's just like nonstop. But with that being said, uh, I mean, there was always, you know, something, you know, going on here and there. But like I said, just the exposure, you know, you didn't see it as frequently as, and as much as you can now with just having it on your device. You would just see it maybe Twitter or maybe ESPN will have it, you know, going across the ticker where now, you know, social media, is, you know, you can get on there and nonstop <laughs> it's, looking. So it's insane how much times have changed in the last decade, man. Like we, you're talking about the ticker and we used to be glued to that bottom ticker because that's how we would get the information. Mm -hmm. And now you can get boom, 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 like notifications right away. It's, it's nuts. All right. Last one before I get you out of here, I'll let you pick best Jim Harbaugh or Justin Smith story? Best one with this is going back to just man, what makes people ask me all the time what do I miss a lot about what do I miss about the game. And I, I simply just say, you know, the camaraderie that that what you have like with the guys day in and, and day out and just seeing how man we really turn into it's really it's really like a brotherhood or a sisterhood or you know, wherever you're playing, you know, just it's a hood of you know, <laughs> Oh, guys who just, you know, are people who just believe in, in the same thing. But I'm saying this to say that it was, I think it was 2008 or 2009, the first Pro Bowl in Miami um, that they had had. Um, and I was, I had this bursa on my knee and it was, excuse me, it was the size of a titty, man. Like, it was huge. And I remember Cowboy and I've been trying to, you know, put something over it because it, it happened during the regular season. But, um, on turf, I hit my knee on the turf one night, and I kept getting it, you know, uh, trained. But anyways, Cowboy sees my knee, and he said, uh, "P, P Willie, man, what's on your knee?" I said, "Oh man, my my knee done, you know, done drain, done swell back up again or whatnot." He said, "And you gonna play with that?" I was like, "Yeah, so I'm just gonna put a pad over it and you know, push it down." And he said. Man, if you don't get your stupid, you know, I want to say the other words or not. He said, you ain't playing like that. He said, you call them and you tell them like you. And I was like, for real? Like, you just call them? That's how I, I, you know, I was, I I was just like. You, you know gotta, any better. You gotta, yeah, I know. I was like, you know, that's how it was. You know, I was, I was like, I got to go. And so that was just one of those moments where I was like, man, like that, that meant something. You know, it, it meant something in, in the slightest way. Uh, that was a justice. I'm sure there's, man, there's many other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, a hardball, a hardball story would would be. I would tell him every day after practice because he would always he'd always call us up. He'd always uh, have um, tell us these stories, and he would talk so much about Michigan 
that I would always, and, and at the time, now it's out. Yeah. They, he was going through so much stuff with the upstairs management that I was like, man, they're going to mess around and get rid of you. <laughs> and when they get rid of you, man, you're going to mess around and go to Michigan. Like that, That's what I would say in my head. And I would always tell him, I was like, cool, you're going to go to Michigan, huh? He said, well, no, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to stay. I was like, but in my head, I'm thinking like, but yeah, y'all, you going back and forth with them upstairs. I said, I don't know how good that's going to work. It's like that. I said, but that's what I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say that part out loud, but I was like, but coach, I'm just saying, if you leave here, if you leave now, you're going to go to Michigan. And it wasn't, you know, after he was fired, thing like just a little while later, he ended up in Michigan or whatnot. And I remember wanting to text him and tell him like, coach, I told you. So just here at the reunion, we just had, I was able to look out. We was, it was me. We it was actually me and we me and Bo set like we set like we was going to every um, going to every game or whatnot. And he sat right up in front of us. I said, "Hey, coach, remember I kept telling you that you was gonna go to Michigan. You kept telling me I was crazy. Like, how, how do you know? I was like, because I would just listen. And nobody keeps talking about this if they ain't got it. If they ain't in their subconscious or if it's right. in their mind. So, so yeah. So shout out to Coach Harbaugh and him. I think he's about to. And he just won the Big Twelve. We're about to put, uh, just won the Big Twelve championship, and so uh, to to yeah, playoffs, so shout man. out to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great times, man. Great times for sure. That that's all I got for you, man. You you were awesome. You were amazing. I appreciate you taking this time. We weren't supposed to have you this long. Remember, everybody, go to universe52.com. Pat, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? Yes, yes, I do. I do. So right now on Universe Fifty Two, we're doing a giveaway. Not just any giveaway. We're doing this actual game ball, game defensive ball that was given to me after a win, after we beat uh, the St. Louis Rams on December 1st, 2013, which was nine years ago. Crazy how fast time uh, flies. But this is the original ball, just like on Twitter, they know they got the blue check or Instagram or something got the blue check. This right here is the blue tape that we get for the actual game ball. And here are a few stats, but... This right here is um, this is a giveaway that I think we're going we are going to pick the winner a week after um, a week after Christmas, but it goes all the way up until the, the night um, I think uh, December twenty fourth, twelve fifty nine. So if you want to uh, have a chance to win this, go to www.universe52.com and sign up. And the current members, you are already automatically entered in to win this, but you can go back and resign up again. Um, to have a chance to win more. But again, I appreciate you all for the support. And again, most people say, man, why why, why are you doing all this? You don't have to do none of this. You can just sit back and chill. And yeah, you can, but then you get stale and life yeah. is about progressing and um, and moving on. And so that's that's all I'm doing. And um, and so for those who, you know, uh, riding with me, I appreciate the support. And that's what University 2 is about. It's about uh, connecting back with those fans, giving them great things, but then also, you know, uh, showing love to them for for their support. So go check out university52.com and also go check out my nonprofit at uh, thewinkersmind.com. Um, and you can see what I'm doing for my nonprofit on there, the Winkers Mind Youth Fund Foundation. So again, I appreciate you all. Kyle, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been an honor. All right. Again, thanks for Patrick Willis. Uh, check out his website. Check out all of the work that he's doing, whether it's the nonprofit stuff or his digital website that he was talking about there at the end. OK, before we get out of here, we want to make some predictions about this upcoming game. So we talked about this game, making and breaking the 49ers season, not just this game, obviously uh, Seattle on deck. That's going to be likely for the division, especially if Seattle keeps winning. 
Tampa Bay, though, first things first. You said there's going to be a Saints vibe. So what's your what's your score prediction? By the way, 49ers are three and a half point favorites. So uh, Brock Purdy is favored over Tom Brady. That is kind of crazy to say out loud. The total is the second lowest total at 37 and a half in the NFL this season. I believe the other total that was that low involved Zach Wilson. So that kind of tells you all you need to know. They're, Vegas is not expecting a lot of points. So what is the final score in this game? I'd agree with that. And Vegas is expecting like a 2017 type game. I would go, I have a hard time seeing the Bucks score 17 points, right? Considering the Dolphins offense who had 30 in five straight games, I think only managed to score 17 um, with an opening touchdown on, on the first play. So I would predict 49ers 20 Bucks 13. It just, it just has like a low scoring a lot of three and outs for the Bucks. it feels like. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, 49ers get, you know, an early lead, something like that. I just feel like they're able to – they'll be able to manage the game similar to how they played the New Orleans Saints. What you got? I think it's going to be a lot like what we saw on Monday Night Football where Tampa just struggles to do anything. They could not block the Saints. And if they can't block the Saints, they're really going to struggle to block the 49ers. Tampa Bay is probably going to get Brock Purdy, whether that's a turnover, whether that's a mistake. I just see Todd Bowles ramping up the pressure even more so than what Miami is going to do. So I'm going to say 17-13 49ers. I think it's it's very low scoring. This game is going to be played in the teens. We're going to see a lot of punting. So Mitch Wisnowski, I hope you are warm. And whoever makes the first mistake, whoever blinks first, whoever cracks first, that's probably going to be the team that loses. So 17-13, I think – San Francisco has a significant coaching edge on both sides of the ball. I don't think uh, Byron left, which is what people think he is. I know Bruce Arians um, retired this past offseason. I think that it shows in their offense. Tom Brady looked every bit of 45 this past this past week against um, the Saints, and they were fortunate to win. If Mark Green doesn't run out of bounds, the Bucs probably don't get the ball back, and they don't go march probably down lose, the field. Yeah. So, um, I, don't, I think a lot of their mistakes were kind of – you know, under the light there, the mistakes that they made were probably aided by the Saints. I don't think the 49ers are that team. And, and if you remember to just listen to Willis there, he talked about how disciplined they are. So uh, that'll do it for us. Thanks as always for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars, wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Akash, where can we follow you? At Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And once again, go Niners.